welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Well, let's kick this thing off. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here in Zoom Lantis with Will Norman, Wellbore Optimization at Gyro Data Incorporated. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? It's a beautiful day here in Houston. We managed to dodge the storms here recently. At least we did in Katy. How about you guys? We did okay. We actually lived down here in Corpus. So, oh, wow. You're in Corpus. Yeah. Okay. We actually went up to Katy this past weekend. It was a planned trip to go see my dad and my sister. So Okay. We actually weren't in town when it, when it, when it hit, but we came back and luckily everything was fine. Just landscape all over the place. But uh, no, yeah. got real lucky. No kidding. I, okay, I didn't know you were down in Corpus there. That's interesting. We actually, we have a Bayrite grinding facility, Southwest uh, Superior Weighting Products. So it's right there. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's hard to miss. Anyway, so I've been to Corpus a couple of times just to go to the plant and, you know, do a few things. But man, what is it like to live in Corpus right now? I mean, is it, you know, is it, do you like it? Obviously you do if you're there. I love it. I've been here since, since college. I never left. I just kept coming south. And kind of planted some roots here, and you know you've got saltwater fishing, you got the beaches. It's a very laid back beach town. You can get anywhere in 15, 20 minutes. You know it's nothing like Houston by any means. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, you know they always say people that are from here either love it, never leave, or they hate it and always want to leave. But whenever they do leave, they end up coming back just because it's it's just that tough town. So it's, yeah, yeah, I, I don't plan on. I'm going anywhere. So good, good for you, man. So obviously right now we're all working from home, but have you always worked out of Corpus or would you travel to Houston or what does that look like? Yeah. So my territory is Austin, San Antonio and, and now Houston as well. So typically I would leave during the week and go make my rounds and my, my office visits and, and customers. And, and then I'd come home on the, on the weekends. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That works out pretty good. And now you get to be home all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been on the road since February, so it's been, it's been wow. pretty crazy. Yeah, it's uh, obviously I think a lot of people can identify. But can you share the story that you just told me before we started recording? It's for everyone out there that's working from home. It's funny because you know you always preface a meeting by saying, "Hey, you know my kids," or "Oh, my crazy cat might jump in the screen," or whatever. But you actually kind of had a good one there. So this is something I'm sure people can relate to. Why don't you tell us when you you had your meeting there and your presentation? <laughs> Yeah, so I was leading a Microsoft Teams presentation for a customer of ours, and we had basically a bunch of people from all over North America call in to listen to this presentation that I was front running. But anyways, our, our babysitter had taken off that week to clean her house for, for COVID, and so the meeting was set for 2 o'clock, 
and they're still young kids. My, our oldest is uh, two and a half, and we've got a an almost a one year old. So nap time, it's nap time is still you know one to three, and I put them down, thinking I would have an hour, you know, to do this presentation. You know, thirty minutes, forty five minutes for sure, I was good. And I got through the introduction, the safety moment, and as soon as I we started beginning the presentation, I had the baby monitor just off to the side of my laptop. And all I could see was just red bars, just <laughs> my daughter's room. And she had gotten her arm stuck in her crib. Oh, man. She's crying bloody murder. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I freaked out and just said, hey, guys, I got to be right back. And just left the screen and had to consult her and, and you know, had her get her to stop crying. And it took me a good, you know, five, ten minutes. So and then I had to come back and apologize. And everybody understood. Yeah, I'm sure everyone was a good sport about it. But oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like when you told me that, I, I didn't ask because I wanted to ask now. But like, so I have a one and a half year old, and you know the four year old, or she's only five now. She doesn't nap anymore, but our son still does. And man, if that happened to me, I would end up having to have that little sucker sitting right beside me through the meeting. I'm surprised you got her back down, or maybe you just <laughs> turn the monitor over and hope for the best. But yeah, I just sit here. <laughs> some more milk please, please yeah yeah <laughs> oh man it's, uh, it's a little man our little guy he's actually made uh, i think two appearances or cameos on nice on so yeah yeah We're, yeah no that's the crazy thing about working from home man you just never know there's so many funny memes and stuff where like people have their kids like <laughs> in the background like you know anything you can to make it seem like your house is not just completely chaos at the time oh, you're trying yeah. to have a meeting yeah. but yeah that's that's interesting but yeah so i want to give a shout out to steven forrester he's the one that helped line this up so big shout out to steven and gyro dad you guys this is your second appearance on the show we had ezra north on a while back and we just had such a great conversation if, if anyone knows ezra he's just such a solid down-to-earth fun-loving guy i met him at aede casino night this year and him and his wife are just great people our wives hit it off you know, he's just a true testament to the good people in the oil field. So, and Gyro Data, obviously, you guys are crushing it. So, if anyone's interested in hearing Ezra's story, it's episode 71. And he actually tells a really impelling story about how he went on a hunt for his uncle. It's sad, but it shows his character. And if anyone knows him and they haven't heard the story, it's worth a listen. It just, it makes you love the guy even more. But anyway, so for all the listeners out there, we, this is not going to be video recorded, but if you have Will on LinkedIn, you'll notice he's got a little bit of a shadow there under his chin, but now he's got something that looks like, I don't know, but it touches his knees, I'm pretty sure. He's got a beard. He called me the other day and you know, we were just talking about the podcast and he's like, yeah, I'm going to give you a run for your money and I'll, yeah, yeah, whatever. And here he comes on with a beard the size of you know Zeus's beard. So I give it up to the guy, but there's a reason for why it's so long, right? There is, yeah. We have two kids and I got the genius idea with our daughter to grow a year <laughs> so basically convinced the wife to let me grow my beard out for a year with our daughter and i actually liked it so much that i convinced her again to let me do it for no way. So, <laughs> yeah so uh for each, for each kid we we have had i've grown it out for a full year so nice yeah, yeah. it's been, been cool that's good man it's you know it's just it's making memories that's what it's all about exactly yeah my wife's ready She's ready for it to come off. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I wonder if your kids will, are you going to shave it right off or are you just going to trim it or what? So with my daughter, I shaved it down to like a three yard, you know, what I call a two week beard and 10 day, two week beard. So <laughs> yeah. But even with that, she wouldn't let me hold her or touch her for like three or four hours. Okay. 
when I came home. Yeah, she was scared of me. Yeah, and then she recognized my voice, and so uh, I'm kind of curious to see what happens with with my son here in a, in a few weeks. So that's funny, man. Yeah. Speaking of making memories, I took a trip down your LinkedIn memory lane there, and kind of interestingly enough, so you went to school in Corpus, it looks like, right? And yep. you actually went for kinesiology and it looks like you have a pretty solid baseball background. So, I mean, tell us, so you grew up in Corvus, right? You grew up there. I grew up in Houston. Southeast. Oh, you grew up in, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go through that, you end up going to college. So you're a big baseball guy then, is that right? Yeah, huge baseball guy. Played all my life. And yeah, I grew up on the southwest side of Houston and I was fortunate enough to get a junior college scholarship to Wharton Junior College and went there for two years and had another good two years and got a, another offer to go down to AM Corpus for a D1 scholarship and finished out my last two years of collegiate leave. Wow. Uh, here in Corpus. So yeah, it's been a, I love baseball. I, I really hope that both of our kids play softball and baseball. And, you know, um, I was a left-handed pitcher, so I was. Okay. Yeah. Southpaw and left-handed specialist. I was good enough to get college paid for, but that was it. So it was, it was a wild ride. It was fun. And, and yeah, I went to school to become actually a physical therapist. Okay. My mom is an occupational therapist. And so I've kind of been around that whole world all my life growing up. And in college, I actually tore my cartilage in my, my throat shoulder. So I had to go physical therapy and I was just overly overwhelmed with how much my physical therapist pushed me and trained me and got me back to where I could, I didn't have to miss any time. So it really just kind of sparked a fire that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I went to school for that, but I wasn't able to get into physical therapy school really competitive. And so the next best option was well, become a personal trainer. Yeah. So I did, I did that down here in Corpus and yeah, I worked at, worked at Gold's Gym for a year before I landed here. I loved personal training too. Okay. Well, speaking of Gold's Gym, RIP to Gold's Gym, along with a bunch of the 24-hour fitnesses, Gold's Gym is shut down now, right? Or they went, did they file bankruptcy? You know, I'm not sure. I know the one here in Corpus has been closed for a while. It's too bad, man. It's a Gold's Gym has, you know, for all the workout folks out there, Gold's Gym is kind of like the the old rugged, you know, just the this, this staple bodybuilding strength and performance type gym. And so, yeah, this whole, the whole COVID corona economy has wiped out a lot of the the old tried and tested, you know, companies, but it's, you know, unfortunately it is what it is. But so with regards to baseball, you said you were a pitcher. How for you, you said you had kids, obviously, like what's the balance of like trying to push them to play baseball, but yet also letting them do what they want? Like it's, it's cause I always find that interesting, especially for parents who have a strong athletic background and, and I grew up playing sports. And of course I've got my son in his high chair watching, you know, sports center and, you know, the, yeah. you know, now that baseball's on and basketball and, you know, trying to get him to watch sports to hopefully like, you know, ingrain it in his head that, Hey, this is fun. And I think he does like it, but like, what's your approach there? I'm always curious. My wife and I actually talked about this recently, but I think our plan is just going to be to get him in, in everything. You know, obviously I, I would just be, you know, over the moon if, if he followed my footsteps and played baseball and if my daughter played softball. But even if they picked up golf, or soccer, or just just some sport in general, I think that would you know that would make us happy. So our, our goal is to is to try out everything. You know, they may not like those sports, and if they don't, you know, just as long as they're passionate about something, I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those parents that just pushes and pushes and pushes because 
you know, I've had friends that they've had parents that just, it's, you know, you get home from school, homework, and then boom, you're out in the backyard building, you know, ground balls. And there just comes to a point where you break and you just present the sport. And the last thing I would want to have happen is, you know, for our kids to present something that, you know, we were pushing and pushing them towards. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is kind of like a double-edged sword. You, you want to introduce them to stuff you, that you like and you're passionate about. At the same time, you don't want to make it not fun because that's at the end of the day it's what you want kind of it to be about yeah no that's so true man and it's it's finding the balance but like i can identify with you just you know give them a taste of everything and then just support their passion right yeah you know you you have a lot of parents that you know you see them living vicariously through their kids and it usually ends up with resentment and sometimes it doesn't sometimes kids grow up and say i'm glad my parents pushed me because if not i wouldn't be where i'm at today and so there's certainly an argument maybe to both sides, but it's interesting to hear people's perspectives on that front. I grew up actually playing baseball competitively in, in British Columbia, Canada, where I'm from. And there's, you know, so many good life lessons. And and so for someone like yourself, and I never played past high school because I ended up getting into the oil field right away, but what was some of the biggest lessons learned and and maybe some of the things that helped fundamentally build character especially playing at such a high level competitively do you have any sort of takeaways from that experience yeah i guess a few are you know teamwork is probably the biggest thing right it can set you up for success later in life with, with any application any job you have because you know it teaches you to to be able to trust and, and, and count on people at the same time you know you'll go to war from as well so i'd say teamwork is, is a big thing just being able to compete you know, just to have that drive in you to to want to beat your you know competitor, right? Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you, it definitely applies over to sales because it's there's a lot of parallels to sports and sales. I feel like you know. So yeah, and not being afraid to fail. You know, there's nobody that's perfect, and you know sometimes losing at something is is going to help you in the long run because you'll figure out your mistakes and what you did wrong, and you'll adjust and. The next time, you know, you'll have a better approach. Yet. So yeah, I'd say those are probably the key for me. Yeah. You know? And rightfully so. And I think you hit it on the head is, you know, trust, teamwork and, and learning from failure. I mean, because you, you learn a lot more from the L's than you do the W's. At least uh, I did. And, and right. just the character building. And like you said, the parallels to sales. I think you fail in sales more than you win. But the wins certainly outweigh the fails. But yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to get the L's up before you can, you know, before you can get those W's. And so, yeah, there's a lot, lot more no's than yeses. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if you can learn to have the tough skin and, and fall down, but get right back up and keep getting after it. I mean, resilience is key. And I think in sports, you have to be extremely resilient if you want to perform at a high level. No, that's interesting. You mentioned that before we get going, I just want to take a quick moment to tell the folks out there about some really fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. They have a fully integrated FrackNow system that gets to basically gets to first to oil faster by doing things differently. They leverage flexible pipe automation and advanced digital capabilities to deliver greater efficiency with 80% fewer connections. This means an elimination of human intervention in the red zone, making your frack pad faster, safer, and smarter. If you want to learn more, click the link in the show notes, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll connect you to the right folks. So one more thing about baseball before we keep going. Are you an Astros fan or what? Yeah, diehard Astros fan. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about this little bit of Astros Dodgers beef going on? It's going to be a tough year for the Astros. I mean, <laughs> no as a pitcher, I get it. 
you know, or I should say as a former pitcher, I get it. Yeah. So I always hated people showing off or, you know, doing something to try to, you know, beat me or cheat the game. But it's going to be a really tough year. I think the eight games suspension is a little harsh. But I think Manfred just really wanted to send a, a message to the league like, hey, we're not going to tolerate this ball. You know, so, you know, obviously what they did is, you know, it's pretty bad, right? It's just, they're calling it the second worst scandal in the history of the league. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's quite the statement behind the Black Sox cheating scandal. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough year, but I'm, I'm a fan, win, lose, or draw. You know, I'm born and raised. I was there through all the, 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 the really bad years, and, you know, now we've got a good farm team, and you're growing up going to the Astrodome. It's just, yeah, I'll be a fan, you know, for life. So, uh, but it is going to be a tough year. Yeah, it's tough, man. They just can't catch a break. And then, you know, you get Altuve striking out in the fifth the other day, and then, the Dodgers announcer, I think his name is Oral Hershiser, saying that guessing is harder than knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like you just, anytime they get a chance, yeah. we're just going to poke, oh, yeah. poke them, you know? It's just like, golly. I was traveling before all this happened, and I was sitting at a restaurant, and next to my right was a, was a gentleman from New York who was a diehard Yankees fan. To my left was a woman from L.A., diehard Dodgers fan. And no they were just beating me up. Oh, yeah. They're just beating me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had an Astros t-shirt on. And, yeah, I was like, you know, I deserve it. You know, it's, yeah, I understand why both of y'all's franchises are mad right now. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just dump it on me while you can. Here yeah, I am. Exactly. exactly yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, anyway, so let's get talking a little more oil field here. I'm sure everyone's wondering what the heck's going on. But, you know, I always like to know, how'd you get in the oil field, man? You, you say you, you did Kines and then you end up being a personal trainer, getting swole, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're at Gyro Data for 11 years. So how, how'd that happen? Yeah. When I was a personal trainer, you know, I, I really wasn't making that much money. And, you know, I kind of felt like a hypocrite because I would go, I'd have all my clients, my name tag said, Will the Punisher. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I'd have all my, my clients give me their food journals. And I would basically check their food journals every time they came in. And if they didn't bring the food journal, I would do a, what we call the punishment session, where it's just uh, a bunch of you know, burpees and, you know, up downs and it just was brutal. Right. But I would go home and I would be eating, you know, ramen noodle soup and just PB and J's and I was broke, you know, because I wasn't making that much money doing it. So anyway, one of my trainers, he had an ex-husband who worked for Jarda and he would just come into the gym whenever he was in town. And I would just basically say, hey, how's it going? You know, just small talk. And then finally one day, uh, he was like, hey, you know, you got time to go grab some lunch? I said, sure. And he just basically said, you know, we're looking to hire. And how would you like to do what I do? And I just basically a different path and a way out. And I was like, man, I, okay, I can travel across the country or the world. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, sign me up, you know, just, let's do it. And it's, it has nothing to do with my my degree, but hey, I'll, I'll, I'll try, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that was it. It's funny because I was listening to a previous podcast you had, and you said you forget some of the dates. I remember my hire date from Jarda. Okay, October, yeah. Which, what is it? October 6, 2008. Yeah, you know? that's cool. But every now and then, my sisters are calling, like, hey, mom's birthday is today. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, one of those weird things. I, I have the same thing. I just, yeah, I remember my hire date, and I've been with Jarda ever since. And it's been a great ride. Good for I you, man. I love it. Oh, uh, hell yeah. So obviously anyone out there that's in the oil field knows that if you pull an 11 year stint at a company, that's very unique. And so either you are the most loyal 
gentleman on the face of the earth or and which I would like to think it's a bit of both gyro data is just such a great company to work for that you couldn't see yourself anywhere else. Like touch on that. Cause I, th- I think that's really interesting that you've stuck it out for so long. And there's so many people out there that, you know, they get a little bit of, they get a little taste of, of success and then, you know, they create a little bit of value and some, another company recognizes it and then they offer you a little more money. And then next thing you know, in two or three years time, you've bounced for two or three different, you know, positions and, different companies, especially in sales, it's you got a client base and someone else wants those customers. So then they try and buy you to get your Rolodex and hope you bring them business. Like it's a pretty, I mean, I'm sure it's like that in any other industry. Well, I wouldn't know, but I would assume it is. But, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, like, like how have you stayed committed for so long and, and maybe a little bit about gyro data? So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question. You know, the gyro data has been great. Everything I have is because what Jared has provided for me. And yeah, I'm extremely loyal. I mean, and you know, just I believe in what we do. And you know, I think most people, if you didn't like what you sold or you didn't like you'd you'd leave. And I truly love everything that we've done and we do. And yeah, they've just been awesome. It's been an awesome company to work for just from day one. You know, I started in the field. I was a gyro surveyor for six years and then worked my way up to become, you know, a top surveyor. And then transitioned over into rig sales, did rig sales. And then again, another opportunity was given to me to go into city sales. So it's just been a great ride. I don't plan on going anywhere. You know, I, I hope one day I can say that I retire. I started and finished my career with the same thing. That's my ultimate goal, which you don't hear that. Right. You may stick with them, but they might be called something different because you guys recently got bought by Intrepid, didn't you? No, we sold off our directional side of the business. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're your business unit or whatever is still gyro data and you guys are owned, you know, independent basically. That's correct. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, okay. we're still, yeah, we just sold our directional assets. Interesting. So okay. Yeah. Jared, Jared is still Jared data. We're just kind of went back to our roots. What made us and yeah, still privately owned. And yeah, going back, you know, I can email the president and get a response. It's, it's very family kind of oriented, you know, small environment. And that's kind of what I like about it. It's, uh, you know, I guess the way it kind of reminds me of Corpus, you know, it's big, small, right? Yeah, that's super cool, man. Anyone that I know that's worked at Gyro Data or who still works there just has nothing but great things to say, which is super cool. And I'm glad you guys are, you know, still surviving, which kind of leads me to my next question is, is, you know, obviously the market has been, you know, extremely challenging over the last, I mean, not even six months, but just over the last shoot since 2014, it's been a whirlwind, but for you guys, what are some of the things that you personally or that you guys have done to kind of help position yourselves now to where when this thing turns around, you're ready to hit the ground running? I mean, is there anything that kind of stands out to you that, that you can at least be optimistic looking towards the end of the tunnel on this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows right now it's tough, right? It's, you know, reaching out to customers can be, you know, extremely challenging in these times. Just like everyone else, we're, we're trying to stay ahead of the game and trying to come out with new technologies that, you know, still makes us at the top for, you know, gyro technology. And the new spear technology we launched, you know, we just had a successful unmanned run in the North Sea. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Like, can you die? I mean, you don't have to get crazy into the details, but what, what does that mean for maybe that people aren't too familiar with what you guys even do? What does that mean? Well, so, you know, we're constantly trying to push the envelope, right? And with our technology. And so we, we recently launched our Omega 
which is our solid state gyro technology. And then we also launched our Quest GWD. And so we recently teamed up with an operator there in the North Sea to do an unmanned operation. So, you know, we feel as though the, the future might be, you know, where there's more remote op centers, you know, going on and, and less personnel in location. So it's just another step to kind of put ourselves out there as, you know, this can be done and, you know, we can, we can definitely help customers efficiently drill a well bore without having, you know, so many people on location. So. Yeah, no, that's huge. Right. I think a lot of people are ultimately trying to reduce the headcount on, on location, which also, yeah. you know, reduces traffic on the road from an HSNE perspective. It's obviously a lot safer, but when you say that, and then I just, I still want to kind of touch on that. So, cause not everyone knows what, who, what you guys even do. So keep it very high level. You guys have a piece of technology that does what that required that didn't require someone out there. Like what, is, can you kind of help bridge the gap there? Yeah. So it's our, it's our GWD tool, our new quest GWD tool that we basically put in the collar location and they were able to drill using real time data with our GWD tools to drill the lateral. Oh, okay. So normally yeah. there would be someone out there collecting drilling data to which then would, you know, obviously do their whatever, send it back to the office, but you were able to do this through remotely. Remotely. Okay. Yes, so you, so you help drill a well remotely essentially. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, that's I mean, that's huge. And especially yeah. in the North sea, I mean, people who operate up there don't mess around. So I know. So speaking of Ezra, he was fired up. <laughs> yeah. That was his baby. So he's pretty stoked about that one. Oh God. I'll have to send him a yeah. note and tell him, Hey, congrats, oh, yeah. man. That's really neat, man. And the, I mean, that's just, you know, that that's, making history in the oil field. I mean, just one little bit and piece at a time, things that we can do just helps evolve our industry, man. That That's really cool. So what's your opinion on on the future of drilling then? I mean, because that's obviously something that that, that kind of helped break down a barrier. I mean, what do you see drilling and more from, from your perspective in gyro data? I mean, where do you see, you know, the future and, and what does that look like for you guys, you think? You know, good question. I'm not sure. You know, I remember when there was a big push for RSS, right? Yeah. So, you know, and that's still around, right? And I think the technology is going to basically lead towards maybe more, you know, kind of what overseas is doing or, or North Sea, where it's just a lot of unmanned applications, reduced personnel. So if you can have a tool or service that you can basically ship and remotely operate from a, you know, from a an office, then I think that's I think that's where people are going to be going. You know, a lot of customers are, you know, what they call centralizing to Houston and basically monitoring everything from, from the office versus location. So I think, that, I don't know, I think that's maybe where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty common. I, most people, I mean, there's a lot of people that I worked in house, I guess I still kind of do, but you know, we're not at the office, but you know, there's different vendors that, that have little offices and stuff around. And it's, I always find it interesting talking to whether it's the bit folks or the directional folks. Yeah. There was a company in there that was, you know, setting up remote operations and, instead of having like three MWD coordinators out on location, they had one just in a remote center inside their office. And yeah, it's just, I mean, again, that, that's the future and you know, that, and then, you know, finding ways, which I mean, maybe not quite applying to you guys, but just, you know, sustainable energy development, you know, how can we operate in a somewhat of a low carbon emission environment and, you know, all that's, all that's, you know, real talk now and there's real money being poured into it. So I think the future is bright, but it's it's certainly going to be challenging, and I don't think there's going to be nearly as many companies, and unfortunately, not near the rig count we're going to 
<laughs> over yeah, in, yeah, in, no. at least in the short run here. But nonetheless, man, it's it's good to see the companies like you guys continue to push the envelope. You know, obviously you're putting money into R and D to make these things happen, and so it's it's cool to see, man. So you're on the sales side, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. What would you say you like the most about your job right now? Well, I mean, it goes back to just selling a product that I care about. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you don't care what you're selling, there, you're not going to be good at it. And people can see that, right? So, yeah, that, that and, you know, I think for me, being as a gyro background, I really try to focus a lot also on like production for like our micro guide. Okay. Yeah, so any sort of artificial lift type of wellbore system on production string, you know, we have a, a micro guide that we try to push for basically setting up the wellbore for long-term success. Oh, okay. I didn't know you guys were on that side of it also. Is that a pretty big chunk of your guys' business or is it more kind of like a boutique style? No, that's a pretty big chunk. Back in the day, you know, you used to drill a well, drop a gyro, and then pick up direction wells, right? Yeah. And MWD's systems got better and better, so they started drilling surface. And then the need for a drop gyro kind of went, you know, kind of to the side. So we developed this a service called a micro guide, and basically it takes one foot or one foot data and spits it into a three dimensional image of the wellbore. So it shows micro cool. dog legs, the torsion velocity, you know, side loading, and so it aids and assists in the artificial lift type scenario. So for rod guide design, ESP placement, yeah. So it's been a huge success and a huge quality type service that we, we've been able to provide. Okay, good. Well, I learned yeah. something new today and hopefully someone else did too. That's pretty cool, man. So before we close out, I want to, you know, ask, I always like to ask a few of the, you know, the personal questions as well, but right now, I mean, whether it's in sales or, you know, within the company, man, do you have any mentors or anyone that you really look up to? I mean, I know growing up playing sports, you, we always have those sort of those figures that we aspire to be like, man. But but now that you're older and you've got a career, I mean, is there anyone out there that is your biggest mentor or someone that you really can go to for whether it's career or personal or anything like that? You know, yeah, I would say my safety net or the person I would I would probably call if I ever had a question, his name uh, is Rob Shaw. And he's been with Jardas since, you know, since basically day one. Every time when I do a presentation, I call him our Yoda because he's a great guy, very knowledgeable. And yeah, I would say Rob is probably one of the guys I look up to internally here at, here at Jardetta. Very cool. Well, big shout out to Rob, man. You've, you've, yeah. made, you've made an impact. That's right. Yeah, he's great. He's actually one of the, well, one of the leaders in this whole micro guide and also the sphere. So okay, I'll see if I can get him on. Yeah. Go. Hey, we would I'll love it. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be neat, man, for someone to you know, be a legacy employee and, and someone Absolutely. who obviously probably has stories and great experience and something everyone could probably learn from. So yeah, no, that'd be cool to line it up, man. Yeah. He's a, like I said, he's a, he's a, he is a legacy guy. You know, it's, it just goes back to, you know, there, we have a lot of long-term employees here. So it's uh, yeah, we got a good thing going. That's so cool, man. Do you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to your success? Well, it depends on what time the kids get up, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> especially right now, it's, pretty challenging right it's you know working from home and, and trying to do the daily life of that i like to go for a drive okay honestly yeah just being on the road you know you can kind of zone out with your with your thoughts kind of just think about things and kind of get you out of the house as well so yeah you know if it's not on a boat or at the beach listen to waves and yeah i like to just go for a drive and, mm-hmm. 
you know, just kind of. There's definitely a, a therapeutic element to driving, especially if you don't get to do it very often and, and you find an yeah. excuse to go driving. Yeah. I remember when we, when the coronavirus first basically started making waves and, and lockdowns really started taking an effect, I didn't drive for probably a couple of weeks. And, and I say that in my vehicle, my wife and I, we each have a vehicle. One's a little bigger. So anytime we'd go somewhere with the kids just to do whatever, we would take her vehicle. And I remember I ended up making, so I left the office. I don't know what day it was, but it was, I had a full tank of gas and I basically lasted like months without having to fill up my gas tank. And I didn't drive very much, but anytime I did drive, like before I would be either at the speeding limit or maybe one or two miles per hour over, but nothing more. But now, <laughs> but now I find myself driving under the speed limit <laughs> to take advantage of the opportunity to drive. And just, it's very, yeah, like you said, it's nice, nice. And it's the little things in life that we almost appreciate now more. At least I do now that things have changed so much, but that's interesting, man. So when you drive, are you a music guy or a podcast guy or just turn everything off and just let your thoughts run it? I'm a little bit of everything. Typically I'm a music or like I'll do like a sports radio show in the morning and then I'll put on like Octane, you know, just to jam out and cruise. Cool. But I have listened to a few podcasts and some audiobooks just on like if I'm driving to Midland, which I don't I don't do that often, but if I do I'll, I'll find a good podcast to listen to just to break up the, the time. So but yeah, typically music. Yeah. For sure. No, that's awesome, man. And you see Octane, that's your favorite choice? It is, yeah. Okay. My wife calls it my death music, but <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite song, man? Give us something to listen to after Well, we were we were actually gonna go to that Ramstein concert in San Antonio that got canceled, unfortunately. Oh, in San Antonio. So right now, I think I would say nothing more. There's a band, nothing more of San Antonio. It's probably one of my favorites. And actually, one of my best memories is when my daughter was six months old, one of her songs came on and she started head bopping. To it. So no way. Like, yeah, I was like, okay, we got a little rocker. We got a little nice. Rocker. Hey, yeah. that's a proud parent moment right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried to get it on video, but I, it went too quick, so. That's funny, man. Well, hey, that's a memory and that's something that you'll probably never forget. That's cool. That's One right. last question before we close out, man. Is there anything about you that not many people know about? You got any hidden secrets or anything you'd like to relay to the podcast? Well, it doesn't have to be any weird hidden secrets, but anything kind of unique about yourself that maybe customers or people don't know about? I was on a reality TV show on one episode. Yeah, which one? <laughs> It was called Casino Confidential. Okay. A friend of mine who actually, I got him a job here at Jardad. He's still one of our surveyors. But No way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was, him and his wife were getting married in Vegas. And so at the Binion. And this was eight, nine years ago now. I think I had just started with Jardad. But anyways, they got a phone call from a producer from a TV show and said, hey, you know, we're doing a, an episode on rooftop weddings in Vegas. It just so happens that you're getting married that that Saturday. If you allow us to film it, we'll pay for everything. No way. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were blown away. Like, sure. Why not? Right. So we all flew out there. And yeah, they, they filmed it. But, you know, I got the true taste of what reality TV is, you know. So, yeah. Like, what does that look like? It's very scripted. For example, they, do you remember Stippler? Yeah. Varsity Blues? Yeah, I kind of felt like Stifler in a way. Okay, <laughs> so I guess they, I guess they took a liking to me, and 
then they started asking me to do things that I, in, in real life, I'd never do. Okay. So for example, you know, they brought Elvis with the priest, you know, for the wedding. Yeah. The court, right. So we had already done the actual wedding and we were down at the ceremony. Film crew showed up and they said, okay, we're going to reenact it as if this was the wedding. We've got Elvis to marry you guys. And so, and they said, hey, Willie, we, we want you to pretend that you're late to the wedding. And I was like, okay. So they filmed that, right? And so when the, when the show airs, it shows, you know, basically then leading up to it, it says everybody's, everybody's at the wedding ready, but the best man wills nowhere to be found. You know, <laughs> it goes to commercial. No way. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. And then they asked me to get in a fight. What? Yeah. yeah. They said, let's pretend that, you know, everybody's got their steaks and now it's on the dessert and you're still waiting on your steak. So we want you to go get in an argument with the chef. No yeah. way. A reality, unreality TV. Uh, yeah, reality, unreality. Yeah, it, it got pretty old towards the end just because some of the stuff they're trying to ask us to do is like, I would never do that, you know? Yeah, that's so funny. I hear that. I mean, I don't know too many people that have been reality shows, but you do hear that. So it's funny that, yeah, yeah, it's all about entertainment value, I guess. Yeah, so it was only one appearance, but I think that's one and done for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to pursue a career in reality TV? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. So, awesome. It was fun while it lasted. But it yeah, that is unique, man. Well, I give it up to you for being a rock star there for a little bit. But well, for everyone out there, this has been a great conversation. But before we head out, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. This is Savannah, and here are the events on deck for September 2020. There's the FPSO World Congress 2020, and that's on September 1st to the 4th, and also the 8th, and it's all online. The next one is Building the Future Industrial Summit on September the 16th, and that's also online. There's also the 4th Annual Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference 2020, and that's on September the 16th to the 18th. Then there's the Genius Symposium and Exhibition for Upstream Innovation 2020, and that's September the 22nd to the 24th. And there's also Effective Leadership Through Change and Uncertainty featuring Condoleezza Rice, and that's on September the 24th. There's also NAEP Summer 2020 from August 11th to September the 14th. And lastly, there's BP Week 2020, September 14th to 16th. That's all for September. Hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Great, thanks. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Will, thanks again for coming on to the show today, man. What's the best way for people to reach out to you or even just to get to know more about the company? Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, they can reach out to my LinkedIn or if they have any questions, you know, obviously go to jaredad.com and my contact info is on my LinkedIn profile. So Call me anytime. I mean, life of sales, the phone rings, you answer, right? So that's it, man. I'm 24 7, I'm available. So, yeah, even on Christmas. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks again, Will. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for everyone out there, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.